Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we've got a fresh ladle of news from around the combat sports world, some some really big events in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, all that good stuff. But before that, a few quick announcements. For those of you who are not familiar with the Open Guard cast, it is a a rival podcast to ours run by the the immaculate Danny O'Donnell and Jake Watson, who just had an amazing uh, amazing performance at American Nationals. Go check it out. Uh, they had me on their podcast uh, just the other day, so go check me out. And we we go off the rails in a way that we don't usually do in this show. And uh, be on the lookout for both of them coming on the show to continue the beef between our two programs. <laughs> Uh, other than that, uh, no. Also, if you haven't seen the most recent fight to win, a certain Jiu-Jitsu Times uh, host le- lent his vocal cords to some of the commentary. Mr. Kevin Gallagher, amazing job there. You want to see his expert breakdown on all the things happening on the mat? Go check that out if you haven't seen it. Uh, that's it for announcements, and we just have a brief sponsorship from No Judges Needed. Longtime fans of the show, friends to you and at us, um, I want you to picture something. It's co- uh, COVID has hurt the jiu-jitsu community, but eventually the day will come when it's over and the gyms can become open to the public again. We can take down the boards and stop training in secret and, and the jiu-jitsu will flow freely like the, the milk and honey of the promised land. But when that day comes, are you going to be ready with hot new gear? Or are you going to be rocking the same old ratty, dirty, sweaty, no-nothing, gi, rash guard, shorts combo that you've been doing rocking for too long? Because, my friends, I have good news for you. No Judges Needed is there to help you out. They have all of your combat sports apparel. I'm talking gis modeled by the immaculate Mr. Kevin Gallagher, rash guards, combat shorts, casual wear, the whole nine yards. And all of it can be yours at a discounted price with the promo code that we are going to give you right now. Use the promo code JJT at checkout to knock 20% off all purchases. And it's the holidays. So you can go on there, use the code, and get something for cheaper for the grappler in your life. Or maybe get something for yourself. Treat yourself. This year has been a, a nightmare. You deserve it. Go get that fresh gear. Go get that fresh merch. Let them know we sent you. Jesus no God. judges needed. Out. All I, right. think, I think I'm going to go buy something. That was pretty good. <laughs> you convinced me. <laughs> Just so what shirt are you wearing now? Like, uh, all right. Again, no judges needed. Great fans of the show. They, they do a lot to support the community. And thank you guys for helping us spread the word on such an amazing brand. All right. Kev. Uh, you had a busy, busy uh, time since the last episode. How how was it commentating on Fight to Win? You know, I I have been busy. This week has been busy. Uh, this whole freaking uh, last couple of months have been busy. Getting over the COVID was kind of rough, and I'm feeling a little bit better now. That was kind of a tough little run towards the end there. Kind of lingered a little bit, but this week I'm finally starting to feel myself again. Starting to get the energy back. But um, you know, Saturday night was great. Seth hit me up. Um mid last week and asked me if I'd be interested in commentating on Friday night for the fight to win. I think it was 159. And I was immediately, first of all, you know, flattered by the fact he would think of me. And, and second of all, super excited to do it. Um, it was cool to do. It was cool to sit Matt's side. It was cool to, to sit down and give breakdowns of the matches that, as they went on and, and kind of add a little bit of a expert analysis, expert insight into, you know, my thoughts on jujitsu and watching the matches. And it was some good, good jujitsu, man. Like Central Florida has amazing jujitsu talent. There's a lot of talented guys out there training from the, the early stages on up. It's cool to watch the young kids. Like those kids are amazing to me. Like I, I'm always constantly amazed when I see these six and seven year old kids that have more jujitsu like flair and more jujitsu, more sophisticated guard games than I do. And to watch them be able to play these incredible De La Hiva guards and going for all these submissions and flowing through from umaplatas to triangles and all the crazy things they do is just it's it's it blows my mind. It makes me excited for jujitsu to come in the future. 
Honestly, I feel like me specifically, nothing freaks me out more than watching like young, like really young 10th planet, like, like orange and like yellow belts who are able to do rubber guard, seeing like kids that are so plot naturally pliable already because they're young and they're they're never going to be bendier than they are at that age. Them just learning to get into that position without any confusion as to where, what, what goes where, like they're just able to do it. And knowing they'll be able to do that forever, right. yeah, it's, it, it's, it makes yeah, it terrifying. Because when you're young like that and you have that natural dexterity, you know you lose it when you quit using it. And because they're continuing to use it throughout the course of their lives, they're going to maintain that dexterity when they get big and strong and muscular like the adults that they'll become. And that, that yeah. combination is you – know, the combination of strength, muscle mass, and dexterity is something that is you know, almost unbeatable. We saw that a lot in the main event with um, – Elizabeth Clay. Um, I was commenting on that watching her match. Um, you know, she's a big, stout girl, bigger girl. You know, she's got big, thick legs, and um, her ability to be able to use the dexterity of her hips to come underneath with her freaking guard retention. And when she starts to work into that high guard and starts to work into the uh, the rubber guard positions, or it's just it's such an amazing, ridiculously difficult combination for an opponent to to try to beat. Um, yeah, she's something special. Absolutely. Yeah, no, especially during this match, it felt like like she was working the high guard a lot in the final of the fight to win. Like she was that and that threatening that position, knowing how flexible she is and how dangerous she is from there. You know, we saw a lot of physicality uh, (laughs) in the form of slams, which I know you got some opinions about. Um, Well, what did. Yeah. Good. Good. What did you think of the game plan going in for both of these amazing competitors? So the the thing I'll say about this is is that that matches this. Like I obviously there are strategical advantages to having the format of fight to win. Um, you know, primarily, and this is something that I reiterated throughout the course of commentating on Friday night, is the idea that submission of tips are king and fight to win. It's the number one criteria for all judging. Like they go into controls and 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 uh you know dominant positions and guard passing as a secondary and tertiary type judging implementation but the idea of submission attempts is supposed to be the primary judging criteria um so i always get confused when i see opponents and i see uh matches where someone is playing a more strategic kind of anti-jujitsu format um now i don't necessarily disagree with it simply because you know that is the rule format and i whenever there are a standardized set of rules there are going to be people that can game the system to their advantage and therefore win matches that they didn't you know they they kind of don't necessarily do what the intention of the rules was set forth to, to to establish but nonetheless they did enough to win perfect example was this final match here now when i was watching this match, I saw Hafiel. Um, what's her last name? I forget her last name. Is it uh, Guedes? Right? I saw it again. No knocks against Hafiel Guedes because her jujitsu was phenomenal. She has an amazing top game. You know, she was very difficult to sweep and just being in the guard of uh, you know, of, of Clay. Clay and being able to withstand her onslaught of attacks is something in itself. You know, that is definitely a skill in and of itself. But it was very difficult for me to see uh, Rafael have any kind of offensive output. I mean, I was very – sitting Matt side, I was very discouraged by her strategical uh, philosophy and her strategical approach. And even more so than that, you know, I had Andre Gaval and their coaches sitting right next to me, and they were, they were actually okay with that idea. Like it was – you could tell – that they were very okay. Okay, well, we're going to shut down Elizabeth's guard. We're going to wait for her for go for attacks and hopefully start to work off of passes from those opinions, but from those positions. But every time I saw Elizabeth in an open guard position, uh, you know, Hafiel was never trying to pass. Maybe one every once in a while she'd put her knee through and hold on it, but there was no real sense of urgency towards advancing to a more dominant position where she could have possibly worked to a back take or work to a side mount or a mount to start advancing 
the position, you know, the 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 strategy of a of a positional dominance, which I feel like her game would have best represented in the game. Well, with Mar- she did, of, she did uh, have the takedown and landing into side control, so that was but that was a little there was a little fuzziness there, obviously, but you know that was she did manage to land in an advantageous right, it, and that and, and in my opinion, watching that, um, you know, and then when we saw the. The small slams from from close guard, which you know, I guess they score. You know, if you could say they score, but it wasn't really. You know, to say that scores is just it just blows my mind because we're talking about it's supposed to be a submission only match, and now you're saying that because someone's in close guard, you pick them up, and it wasn't like she hovered her up over her head and slammed her down rampage action style. It was kind of a lift and then pop back just down a again. Pride, very, yeah, pride very spike, <laughs> very uneventful, unexciting type slams. And then we talking about then we start to talk about the takedown, which was probably the determining factor of the match about. Three minutes into the match of a almost stalemated, you know, uh, exchange between the two for seven, seven and a half minutes of the of the of the of the match, Elizabeth stood back up again, thinking, "Okay, you know, I got to do something. Obviously, she's not going to engage me for my guard, or maybe my guard isn't doing enough to be able to attack her her defense. Um, I'm going to have to stand up and take her down and get on top and work from that position and start to work from those engagements. Um, they end up on the edge of the mat, and because the referee had stood in the way and kept him from going off the side. Elizabeth Clay circled back into the middle, at which point Rafaela got a body lock, picked her up in the air, and slammed her on the mat. It seemed, you know, right, you know, the rule is you don't stop till the referee tells you to stop. I get that. It seemed to me that Elizabeth thought, and the referee was kind of there, and we, I was actually sitting with Wade, Wade Rome at dinner after that, and we were discussing whether or not the referee actually made contact with Elizabeth, which would indicate a stop in the action. Um, it seemed very close to me. It seemed to me, even regardless of that, Elizabeth thought that there was a pause in the action as she turned around to walk back into the center than where whereupon Hafiel grabbed her from the back. Because if they would have engaged face-to-face on the edge right there, one of them was going off the side. Yeah, so that, to see that's... the match end upon that, and then you know Rafael gets in her garden and, and you know, Elizabeth does a good job of trying to get high guard. Elizabeth put and and Rafael pushes through and, and all the things just go back to the way they were. Now Rafael is up because of the takedown. It's just it's sad to see that happen. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's never that cut and dry in jujitsu, you know, especially with how many different rule sets right. there are that you got to constantly remember. I mean. Like slams, even even like like specifically are like outright banned in many rule sets. So like, do you prepare for them? Do you wait? Do you bother like drilling what to do if you get slammed, or do you just hold on? Like, and I I think it's important to always remember that, and like that the athletes are constantly have like how many like major league baseball players or basketball players could handle like competing at the level they do. On top of that, have to handle like, oh, we also have to remember 18 different ways that we can play the game, like right. depending on the day. Like, oh, right. what, what rule set are we using for this this match? <laughs> it's very, very legitimate point. What what style of jujitsu are we doing today? What do I have to do to, uh, you know, we see that a little bit in interleg play because you have a designated hitter and a non-designated and, and not a designated hitter or no designated hitter, but that's about the end of it. You're still throwing strikes. You're still hitting the ball over the fence. You know, you're still playing to the rules. And, you know, I just, in my opinion, I did not agree. And, you know, a win's a win. They're going for money. There's money on the line here. So whatever. If you win, you win. You know, and I'll be the first to say, hey, sometimes playing the rule set is the way you win. But when I see that match in a system and in a format that is supposed to be submission only, first and foremost, the idea is we are working for submission only. It's supposed to be a submission only match. And then you see someone that is clearly clearly, and I'm sorry, I'm not I, I just I well, it's very difficult for me. To, to get behind it, clearly not going for submissions. Raphael, I don't think she had one attempted submission or one even 
overly aggressive attempt at a, at well, a there, position there was some, some headlocks early on like when yeah but nothing guard. yeah nothing it wasn't, that would nothing that would have any indication that she was doing anything more than just trying to frustrate elizabeth clay she didn't really try to pass the guard very hard very aggressively she put her knee in the middle i was kind of hoping to see the game you know develop a little bit more as the match went on as they kind of got a little more gamey with one another but to to be excited about winning in that matter, because at the end, Rafael got up and cheered. Andre Gabal got up and cheered. You know, Atos is great. And, you know, Atos is great. And to see that in an IBGF match, maybe, okay, I can deal with that because we're dealing with a point structure, and that's how you play the point game. But I just don't know. I, I wasn't very happy with that. Yeah, I, and I think, like, the conversation is good. I don't like, think it's the, good for it's, the sport. Sorry. I, didn't I know, but it's, it's also important to just note that we are talking about these – like these issues that are popping up because in a lot of ways we're jujitsu is still the wild west in terms of competition and it's it's been around for a long time but it's been around in different forms that have been uh, that have changed and and evolved over decades like adcc looks different now than it did like 20 years ago it, it's by design like any sport this new is going to change until it finds a sort of equilibrium you know, and I, until everyone's happy. And I think with any grappling, with any, with any grappling sport, you know, like wrestling, it has multiple rule sets. You know, there's there's freestyle, Greco-Roman, and, and they're well known. I would argue that theirs are more manageable. Like they're, they're easier to keep track of than ours. We have, in my opinion, too many different ways to do jujitsu. <laughs> And I think that that's become such a big part of calling people out is like, oh, yeah, I'll fight you under uh, combat jujitsu rules. I'll fight you under uh, EBI right. overtime rules. Well, I'll fight you. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll put on a gi and we'll get a match. You know, it's just like, bro, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's, it's rough in that accord. The, the one thing I'll say about that is that, you know, one of the reasons that I know that Seth designed Fight to Win is because he was very big on the idea of submission grappling. He wanted to see submissions because submissions are exciting. Submissions are what bring fans to the table. They make matches interesting. And it's just unfortunate that when you look at Fight to Win, there are holes in that structure simply because of judges' involvement. Whenever you have a judge involved, whenever you have a criteria that is objective to their own views, you're always going to have people that understand they can game that system to their advantage to get the win. And unfortunately, it's not wrong. You can't blame them. You know, like I said, money's on the line. There was a title belt on the line. But when I watched that match and I saw two amazing jiu-jitsu practitioners that had complete opportunity to put on such an awesome, awesome display of their art, display of the art that I love and display of the art that everyone tuned in to watch. And to see it go down like that, as uninspiring as it was, there's, that's that's the reason why breakdancing is in the Olympics and not jiu-jitsu. And, that's, that's, and I hate to make that correlation. I hate to bring it up in that accord. It's topical right now because I saw it today. I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? A windmill is exciting. Two people doing that is boring as hell. By the way, like, what are the uh, like? I wasn't sure we were going to talk about this, but what are the Vegas odds that we're going to see the 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 Martinez brothers in the Olympics for breakdancing before we see them? In their I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm sure they'd have to dedicate quite a bit to their b-boy skills to get in there, but I imagine they could if they really wanted to. They're both world class athletes. And I mean, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking breakdancing in the Olympics. I'm excited about it. It's, I mean, it's world renowned. It's got enough clout. It's got enough entertainment value, and a lot of enough people are watching it to merit its inclusion. It's exciting. It's fun. And now we're going to have you know international teams going against each other and the art of breakdancing it's it'll be judged the same way you know gymnastics will i imagine or you know, what's the other one dance what's the one that like the like the, 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 the ribbon yeah i don't ribbon. i don't know, there's, a word, there's a word for it i can't remember what it is artistic or dance gymnastics yeah. or something they call it with the little ball I, um, <laughs> it's cool it's cool looking that's it's like i'm not gonna knock it our sport is very boring looking for a lot of it you know like it's so boring that you gotta 
you got to buy into the pyramid scheme in order to get why, <laughs> why it looks cool. Like, oh, you don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I'm like, okay, it sounds like you right. paid a lot of money to think boring exactly. things are fun. <laughs> it's really funny too. And then, then when then when you realize it's boring, you still watch it anyway, just because it's like, ah, you know, I still love it anyway, even though it's boring, my freaking like watching to me, watching. I hate to say it. <laughs> watching competitive jiu-jitsu sometimes is literally like watching paint dry. And I hate to say that. Seth, overall, I thought most of the matches were very entertaining on Fight to Win because I saw the majority of opponents understanding the rule set and going for those submission attempts and selling out sometimes for those submission attempts because they figured they understand the criteria involved. But not that main event. It was rough to watch. Yeah, man. I uh, but best of luck to the, all the b boy crews going to <laughs> making the trip to the Olympics. By the way, uh, we're pissed you made it there before we did, but you know, no lie, it's we're we're cool. We're gonna be cool about it. Um, yeah, and also congrats to Atos for the big night. You know, no hard feelings, and I think that's a great a great way to segue into another big story that happened involving a certain Atos athlete. Uh, Israel Adesanya just got promoted to purple belt by Andre Galvao. Um, he's one of the highest profile fighters in the world currently. And like one of the best and definitely, I think it's fair to say by now, one of the best in the history of the sport, 20 and 0 record. He's beaten some real big names uh, and really only had one dud of a match against Yoel Romero. And that was mainly just because both of these guys are nukes and they don't want to go off before the other counter puncher can go off. And, you know, and then he followed it up by absolutely decimating Paulo Costa. Um, yeah. And it's, it's what, what do you, what do you think someone this high profile putting in time with the gi does for, uh, does for the sport? Um, first of all, I didn't realize that Israel trained at auto. It's good for him for going after some of the best jiu-jitsu on the planet. Um, and this, I'll just tell it, the way I tell everyone that I've ever spoken to that tells me they wanted to be an MMA fighter wants to make it to the UFC and asks me what's the best course of action for their training in jiu-jitsu to do that is, and my answer to them is always go learn to do jiu-jitsu. Like I don't think of jiu-jitsu in terms of what am I going to do in jiu-jitsu to get me better at MMA because that is the wrong way to look at it. It's the wrong way to take the benefit of what, jiu-jitsu has to offer to the sport of mma um we just perfect example was we just promoted um i mean matt arroyo did just promoted matt frivola to his brown oh, belt oh, oh. Eh, 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 yep. eh, time out er, grind everything to a halt because i'm just realizing that we've neglected to bring up a very important event that happened and i would be remiss if i did not <laughs> offer a heartfelt congratulations to you Kevin Gallagher, uh, you just got a promotion yourself. You got your professor stripes. I did. You're an official professor now. Exactly. Congratulations, man. Yeah, call him Professor Kevin Gallagher from now on there, Blue Belt, please. But <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it's it's really funny. Um I've been a blue belt for four years now. We we do our our black our belt. black belt. We've had a black belt for four years now. We do our promotions a little bit different. Our lineage runs a little bit different than most because we we come directly from the Gracie line and they do a different promotion standard. Most people get the professor stripes in two years. We get ours in four, four years as a first degree for, for the majority of IBJJF competitors. Um, but it's, it's weird as I, as I bring up the idea that I don't care about it. I just want to make sure I make that distinction. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really care, but like also <laughs> right. this is a let me, system, yeah. you know, let me spend, let me spend years, <laughs> all 30 seconds explaining. <laughs> the, <difference>. yeah. <laughs> um, the, it was really weird. I always say this about the fact when you get your black belt, like jujitsu, you don't care anymore. And, and it doesn't matter anymore about promotions. It doesn't matter anymore about, uh, you know, getting the next step and moving along. It's flattering simply because of the fact that I can look back and reflect on the point of, uh, of mention that I have been tr a black belt for four years now. So I have had four years away from the anxiety of concerning myself about promotions and concerning myself about maybe the next event and all the other things I'm trying to do to build up my image and my opponent and my, my professor's mind to tell me I'm good at jujitsu. 
you don't have to do that anymore because you get you get your promotions from a black belt just by time served. And during that time, my overall understanding of jujitsu has grown so exponentially because I say this all the time: when you get your black belt, you quit thinking about jujitsu as what I need to do to get better. What do I need to do to get that next stripe or to get to the next belt? You start to think about jujitsu because I just love this amazing, beautiful art of jujitsu. And I want to delve into it more. It's like postgraduate work. You know, you're not doing it because you need to get an A on your paper. You're doing it. Yeah. You know, obviously the A is, is what you need to get your, your, your master's degree or whatever, or your, your doctorate degree. But you're as you're doing that, you're actually working in the world now. You're actually doing things that make your field better by examining it. You know, and that's that's the way I feel about. It. So when I got my professor stripes, I was literally like, "Oh, that's funny." I talked. I called Matt the next day, and I was like, "Man, dude, like, I was so stoked for everybody else. We had five other guys get their black belt. We had a bunch of brown belts and purple belts because we didn't do a mid a mid year belt ceremony because of COVID this year. So we had a lot of backed up stuff." I was so excited about everybody else getting their stuff that I was just like, oh, yeah, and I got my professor shine. It's cool. You know, it wasn't even like a thing, you know? Yeah. And then I posted that nice image of me and my, my buddy Jeff Bailey that was pretty cool, but whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I just will – as someone who did do uh, enough postgrad work to get their master's degree, I would hope it's more enjoyable just because uh, <laughs> you, are, you are right in that it's, it is a different – it's a gear shift a little bit. You know, like you are working on a lot of actionable, like real world concepts. Like here's – like develop a marketing plan for this business. Like you basically just got a like, blank piece of paper. Just go go nuts. We'll show you how, but – you're you got to go do this thing or else you're going to fail and there's a nice there's a nice amount of pressure to it you know and so i just wanted to take uh, some time and say congratulations man like we'll see you we'll we'll fucking see you at red belt obviously when i'm 98 years old i think you got to be a black belt for 40 48 years or something yeah like so in two so in two years we'll see you get your yeah. coral <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny all right well uh, again congratulations man but i think we it would we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about just how i think i think israel getting his purple belt in the gi Especially after all that shit Paulo Costa was talking before their fight. Paulo, black belt. Oh, yeah. You know, he wore his black belt, threw a yeah, white belt. Came out, threw a white belt got, on him, right? Got TKO'd by him, you know. So, sorry. Maybe you should have tried to use your jiu-jitsu. <laughs> right, maybe you should actually went for a takedown or, or threw a, or threw a thrown a kick or a punch. I, I do not need Paulo Costa mad at me. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think it's cool because it used to be jujitsu and MMA were so inexorably linked, like the two were ubiquitous. And now it's not so much, like not as much. There's definite lines of demarcation. You got to train jujitsu, but you don't really need the gi. You don't need to earn rank. You, you just need enough for a lot of people. Very, like very few actually go out and pursue getting rank. Another guy that's been doing a, a similar commitment to actually gaining rank is like sugar sean o'malley he's been not only doing uh getting promoted in the gi but he's been doing like grappling industries he's been doing tournaments he's been active in the grappling scene i i I just i want to know if like we if jujitsu still benefits from obviously everyone should do jujitsu it's great but do you think that the star power of an israel adesanya is like a huge deal anymore given how different like how separate sports have kind of grown over the years well i'll tell you why i believe that the idea of izzy getting his purple belt from someone like andre vargal Garval means something um and it's because now because i you know i deal with young MMA fighters all the time and all their talk about going to make it to the UFC. I'm going to be the one, you know, unbreakable, all this other nonsense that you hear him saying, I just want to like bang my head against the wall half the time. Um, And across the board, you know, when you try to tell them, look, I know in your infinite wisdom of six months of training at, in, at, at, at the gym and maybe you wrestled in high school, you watched a few UFC fights and you think you know the best course to get to where you want to go. Um, 
I am here to tell you that you need to do this. You need to focus on jujitsu independently. You need to focus on M- on on um, Muay Thai independently. You need to focus on wrestling independently. You need to get those aspects of your game independently strong in their own constructs and in their own rules and in their own elements because the concepts of MMA all come from those individual pieces. And the more you have a general understanding of those individual pieces, the better your complete MMA game will become. And I get so much pushback from those guys. Just look at you, and then they smile, and they nod, and they're like, well, I'm not going to come to Jiu-Jitsu class. I'm just going to go spar. I'm just going to go to MMA and spar tonight and not focus on anything that Coach Kevin says, even though he's seen a thousand of me come and go every day. And probably you're not going to be here in three months anyway, but go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. But the idea of seeing Izzy, someone that is you know, a striker by nature, you know, you're not going to – you don't consider Izzy to be – this grappling phenom he's a phenom striker but to see him be proud of achieving his purple belt from andre Gavat, which he should be because i guarantee you andre ain't doing this for publicity he doesn't care he cares enough about jiu-jitsu to make sure that izzy earns that purple belt but to see him earn that purple belt particularly in the gi right it makes it might make some of these young fighters listen to us coaches when we tell them hey dude like I know you want to spar and I know you want an MMA fighter, but you're not going to get better unless your jujitsu gets better. You need to come to jits class. You need to go to striking class. You need to do all the other elements of MMA independently to get better at the whole, you know, maybe they see Izzy and they go, okay, maybe, maybe coach Kevin knows what he's talking about. Every, everyone just needs to listen to coach Kev. Uh, just just do what the fuck I say. (laughs) (laughs) I it's I, it's weird because I don't really I don't really have a ton of interaction with MMA like geared folks at the gyms I train at, but I definitely from like talking with you, it definitely seems like they're coming in with a, a lot of different goals than you know Jits guys, and that sometimes they can maybe come off as unbearable. Like, it's, no, it's it's just it's a different it's a different mindset, and it's and it's. I don't blame them, you know, because the things in the beginning that are motivating them to be fighters, right, are what's going to make them great fighters. You know, the idea that they want to be tough, they want to be rugged, they think they're the baddest men alive. You know, to be an MMA fighter and get inside the cage, you got to be a little bit nuts. So you have to have those elements of self-reliance and those elements of like, I think I know better than everyone else typed inside of you to push you, that little chip on your shoulder to push you. But you need so I get that. And eventually, if they last, they eventually learn, oh well, maybe I need to pay attention to my coach. Because maybe my coach knows knows what he's talking about because this is what's going to get me better. Um, but you know, so I get it, I understand, but it still doesn't make it any easier to deal with them. You just you just look at him and you you kind of shake your head and you're like, oh, okay, cool, man. Sure, go ahead and do whatever you gotta do. Perfect example is Matt Frivola. Like I said, Matt Frivola <laughs> is a UFC fighter. We just gave him his brown belt. Uh, Matt Arroyo just gave him his brown belt uh, this last week at the belt ceremony. And, you know, he's training the gi. And what you realize is that, yeah, MMA is great. You're going to be an amazing MMA fighter. And, you know, th- sure, maybe when you're training for an MMA fight, when you got a fight coming up, when you're in an actual that six-week fight camp, maybe you're not going to be taking as many gi classes. You know, maybe you will because you want to get the training. In, but maybe you're not going to be taking as many gi classes simply because you're trying to stay focused on the task at hand in the same way that when you're trying to do a, a, a professional jujitsu match, you're probably not going to be doing a whole lot of MMA sparring simply because it's a different aspect. Lots of guys, like Andre Graval said it famously when he was in MMA, he left out on a lot of his world championships because he was focusing on MMA. It's a different jujitsu. Kron Gracie, same thing. He's not competing right now because he's focused on, on jujitsu or on, on MMA. Gary Tony, same thing. Um, but, when you get to those advanced levels, when you get to your purple belt, you get to your brown belt, you just realize that like getting those belts are such an amazing accomplishment independent of MMA. MMA is great, but jujitsu is just, it's so much more to it than just learning how to fight. Like you, you conquer your own demons. You put yourself on that path. Like I don't care 
how many fights Izzy has by submission or how many wins, submission wins he has in his MMA fights or same thing with Matt Favreau. I don't care how many submission wins he has in his MMA fights. If he's not in there grinding and out, focusing on making his jiu-jitsu better, you're still going to be a blue belt. You're a blue belt that got you know, rear naked choke in your match or your blue belt that got a uh, guillotine in your match. But if you don't know how to pass the guard, you don't understand the concepts that we consider to be purple, butter, brown belt level, you're not going to advance and you have to dedicate yourself to those things. And then eventually you understand when you get your black belt or you're on your road to your black belt, what an amazing accomplishment that is. So you want to do it. Man, I'm talking too much, Kev. I apologize. I know. I think this is really, this is really big and like stuff that I would not have as someone with my level of experience. And that's, that's really good insights. Uh, and I think whenever he talks about jujitsu, it's with a, with Izzy, whenever he talks about jujitsu, it's with such an earnest love. Like he, he loves learning martial arts. He's a martial artist, like in the vein of George St. Pierre, where he, he trains just because he loves it. Like I have no doubt that if the UFC was kaput and this guy had a day job or if like there was no fighting anywhere, like he couldn't make any money off of it, this guy would still be doing it. Of course. Like he, he loves doing that. And what's great about him is that he's proven to be so such a high-level athlete, one of those guys that can just learn skills and adapt. And we've seen guys that have that athleticism, like you know, Nikki Rod, you know, Stevie J. We just had him on the show. Guys that aren't training, haven't been training very long, but are so committed with a, such a high level of athleticism that they can have a lot of success against like very experienced guys. And so I'm I'm just waiting for what I think eventually will happen is that Izzy will be done with MMA or maybe he will decide to take a step back from MMA and do less competing every year. And we see him do some jujitsu competitions, you know, just cause he, I like one, he's a long guy. He's going to have a crazy guard. I, his, like I could imagine him hitting triangles and arm bars from inside close guard, like all day. I, I want to see him take that same manic, like commitment that he's shown to striking for, for years and years and turn it to jujitsu just because I have no doubt he could win. He could win a title. Like I yeah. have no, no doubt in my mind. Like, it's, of course. And maybe after, you know, he gets through his MMA world, if he wants to continue to do some strictly jujitsu stuff, maybe he will. But you know what I, what I'll tell you is, you know, if that, competitive fire i imagine the, the the difference is like the competitive nature of mma once you get done once you do mma it's very difficult to think of anything else in a competition type atmosphere like the idea of doing the world yeah there's a struggle there's a there's like a uh you know there's an allure to it there's something that's gratifying about winning a world championship but once you've been in a cage particularly at the level that he's in at a, at a ufc event as a ufc champion like Eh, it's kind of a let down emotionally. Nothing is the same high anymore. You do these things for that high when you've competed at the level he has in the UFC cage. Like the high of being on the mat for a you know a fight to win or a submission underground is cool, but it's not. It's never. You're not going to get that same like you know. Give me my junkie needle. Yeah, it'll just it. be fun. It'll, it'll just be, be some like a fun thing to do, right? Yeah, and I don't with it with it, how as many fights as he's had and he has not lost. I, I can't imagine he's ever really going to sweat over it. Or maybe he's such a competitor that just the yep. idea of losing would make him sweat. You, you, know, know, like, yeah, you never know. It really is true. You really is true. Some guys just got to have it. They can't stop. They got to keep going. They figure out ways to get that to get that juice in them. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to end that. Like best of uh, congrats, Izzy. Oh. Like, you know. Amazing well, purple belt is an amazing accomplishment. Like I always tell people, when you get your purple belt, like if you never did jujitsu again, you can confidently say you know jujitsu. You don't have to. You, if you, you you've gotten to the point where, we, as professors, when you're a purple belt, we go, okay, this person knows jujitsu. Now you got to perfect it with brown belt and, and black belt. But yeah. you know, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> also, the you'll ability to skip one. <laughs> you'll, you'll get it kid you'll get it oh yeah no everybody hey cuomo open up we gotta, we gotta start. <laughs> no whatever so uh one we got two more stories i think we definitely need to get to so this one i want to get we got a big one you know a bit of a somber topic but it's it, we would be remiss not to cover it um 
But I wanted to slide one sort of small story in before the end, and that's uh, Ethan Cronston had a big uh, bet match, which we haven't uh, really seen one of those in a minute, uh, at least at this level, against uh, Elijah Carlton at Freedom Grappling Invitational. Uh, old buddy of the show, Josh LaDuke, Sapatero had their, their hands in making that happen. Um, really lightning fast round. It was a no time limit sub only. How long did it last? Kind of the whole match. three minutes, three minutes. Okay. Three minutes. Yeah. And you know, Elijah attacked right off the bat, got like an ankle pick takedown, went right for the heel hook, the outside heel hook. And, uh, obviously Ethan great at defending leg locks defended, was able to stand up, work to pass the guard, but hunted for the leg of his own managed to get the inside heel hook at three, three ish minutes and maybe a little over, uh, got the tap. And I got to say my reaction to this match is it was different than normal. Like, like I felt bad just cause yeah, it was great jujitsu, but also so a guy is out five grand, you know, and he put it up there. Yeah. So he was prepared to lose it, but still like, fuck, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, so I, I don't know Elijah personally. I know of him. I've been following him. I, he's, we're, we're buds on Facebook, and some of his Facebook posts are just absolutely hilarious, like some of the funniest things I've seen on Facebook. They're not, they're not for the faint of heart by any means, <laughs> but uh, definitely not the most PC of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of posts. But he's a really funny guy, and his jiu-jitsu is top-notch. Like He's been tearing it up. He, he just won that uh, PL. Oh, bracket or something. What's the new? The new? There's a new um, promotion out there. I can't remember what it's called. P something. I'll, he just, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. He just he just won that. Um. Anyway, he is. Um. You know, he's a top notch, top notch kid, and you know, he has the confidence in himself to go after these other top notch competitors to make sure and say, hey, look, I be- I belong to be here. I'm gonna put my five grand up against Ethan Crowlison because I think I can beat him. And you know, and when he put that money up, he went out there and attacked and he went after him hard. Now he lost, but you know, whatever, man, he believed in himself. Way, was, it, was, it was PGF PGF. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. I yeah. What it and I mean, it's, it is really, it's always exciting to see that, you know, Ethan's one of the guys that moved down to, to uh, Puerto Rico with uh, Donaher, Gordon and the rest. So he, he's, he's moved with the DDS. He's part of that exclusive club. And, you know, nothing is nothing is forever in the sport. You know, they're going to be toppled one day. And I, I don't say that as a hater. It's just like there's a natural flow to these things. And no one, no group can stay at the top forever. And it's always cool to see guys willing to be those first that in that first volley. You know, those the, like I'm going to be in the first volley of guys trying to take these this this fortress down. And you know, being able to being confident enough to put up five grand against one of the consensus best in the world, you know, that speaks a lot to Elijah, but also just holy shit, Ethan Crowenston, so good. Just the, the yeah, you, you can't not say that. The a guy man. looked so strong, never looked scared a moment that match. Like yeah, he got he, huge too. He's he's down there with the uh the hey sunny lifting crew. He's his shoulders yeah, he's he looks rock. like the like he's so shredded he looks like ridiculous he, he used to be like, like a little he used to be like a little toothpick i remember yeah. he, was like, he was like like super skinny real thin i almost think like man he could do like a classic physique show if he cut like a little bit more because <laughs> he's got like a crazy traps he's got a tapered small waist like yeah. holy crap <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think we saw a lot of high level leg locks too. Like that, that was basically what everyone was going. That's for. Elijah's. That's Elijah's um, bag. He's a leg lock guy. He he crushes everybody. He's got them super long legs. He's a tall kid, tough to deal yeah. with, and um, just a leg lock machine. Have you ever put up money in a grappling match? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I got my money. I'm too cheap. No way, I'm, yeah. I'm too broke and cheap. No way, I'm yeah. No, because I'm just like, man, this this guy, he's he's nuts. But I I appreciate him for being nuts. So we right. can all kind yeah. of, mo- and I I will say that it led to a very frenetic, like fast paced. Yeah, like, I was. I gotta kill this guy so I can I get my watching, five grand back. Oh yeah, I was watching that. He was he came he came after him, but that's in the matches that I've seen of Elijah. That's the way he does things. He comes after. He gets down and goes and he he gets at it. He's he's there's no. 
no waiting, no messing around. He's going to fire submissions and come after your attack. Very similar, like Oliver Taza type type style. He's coming. He's coming at you. I feel like we'll be able to chart how big jujitsu gets, not by the numbers on flow grappling or UFC fight pass or like, or how many pay-per-view buys a, uh, any, like any event gets, I think we'll be able to measure it by like what bet matches get eyeballs. Like when jujitsu athletes are able to put up like six figures, like hundred thousand dollar bet match. Like right now, the only guy doing that's Gordon just cause he's at the, the like tippy tip of the sport. Josh Duke famously remember when he put that 300,000, he got the 300,000 <laughs> up for the uh, Andre Gaval Gordon match a few years back. Man. Like I've, I, there's, there's people in this sport that would just straight up commit murder for that money. Like they're, they're just, <laughs> I'm talking not <laughs> jujitsu, not even jujitsu. Just like take a rock yeah, and just pop, hit somebody with a stick. Cane enable somebody. Yeah, here's my, here's my, where's my money at? <laughs> All right. Well, again, like it's cool to see matches like this. Congrats to Josh for, for helping put something like this together. Uh, these two guys for generating some really good jujitsu amidst the pandemic. Cause you know, as that second wave is crunching down, gyms are closing in you know, New York and other states. It's good to see some jujitsu, you know? So, oh man, I'm getting the shakes. I'm getting the shakes just because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit antsy. Right a little right yeah. there, man? No, no, no. I'm just missing jujitsu, man. Yeah, like, I know. Man. <laughs> yeah. But you know who's who's also, who's also not missing jujitsu just because he had to use a lot of it in a very tense situation? I fellow member of the garden state and another guy named kevin kevin sheenan uh sheehan i think his name is uh jiu-jitsu purple belt in jersey he was shot in the neck and stabbed by an attacker and he managed to get out of it with jiu-jitsu um I, don't, I honestly think we could move on. I just yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like less like uh, wow, what 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 do you how do you follow that up? <laughs> just like can we can we get this guy to donate blood to like a super soldier program so we could like get super soldiers and stuff? Like just <laughs> Well, you know, again I'll 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 talk about this. Yes, you know, in jujitsu, Obviously, nothing is going not, – there's no defense to a gun. I don't care what anybody says. There are things you can do to work on disarming people, things you can do to work with, with against helping, you know, getting someone with a gun. But at the end of the day, if I'm standing, you know, at a decent range from you and someone tries to shoot you, like, you're going to get shot. There's not really much you can do about it. The face of action is included. Same thing with a knife. Like, yes, there are defenses for a knife. There are things you can do to start to disarm people with a knife. But if I am right next to you and pull out a knife and start to stab you with it, like, I don't care what you've learned in your in your Krav Maga class. Like, yeah, it's helpful, but it's not really the same. Nothing is the same as actual real-life situations. Um, what is is when you train jiu-jitsu and you learn how to deal with the real-life stressors and the real-life issues that you come through in a real-life com- confrontation to be able to stay cognizant. Because I, I read the article and I read a little bit of the breakdowns of what he says, and when he talks about the idea that jiu-jitsu kept him alive – you know, jujitsu didn't necessarily keep that guy from shooting him or keep the guy from stabbing him with the knife. You know, nothing yeah. you can do about that. He probably didn't use a whole. He didn't, you know, use an umaplata or or you know or or a freaking yeah. you know or a flying armbar to get through that. But what he did do was maintain his wherewithal under the duress of physical danger or physical harm, keep his mind intact and think accordingly to be able to escape and probably save his life because he trained himself to do that throughout the course of getting his purple belt. Yeah. And I just want to, I, I, I think everybody's kind of get sick of the gi versus no gi argument, right. train both. It's right. not a, just do both. They're both no, great I, for different reasons. But I also want to point out that Kev specifically also, it's not stated and I'm not going to speculate, but it's possible that this attacker could have been a fellow student at the gym because Kevin says he he's familiar with this guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Julian Lee. Um, he's a, he's familiar with him. And at one point Julian was going for a rear naked choke. So right, it's yeah. possible he knew stuff. He knew jujitsu. Called specifically well. a rear naked choke. Yeah. So he knows, he knows what that feels like. So he's, he's not going to misidentify a move like that. Um, he was able to free himself from the choke. He grabbed his shirt and then 
ran with him and then was able to throw him like some sort of like gi throw and specifically even says gi training paid off in his uh, statement to the jiu-jitsu times and he was able to run you're you're kidding yourself if you don't think there's any value in the gi and i hate that i have to say that but there's people that think that there's people that think that the gi does nothing right and obviously you can get by with no gi it's fine, but you might want to, you know, learn to feel the different opportunities that exist when someone has a jacket, different chokes, different leverage points, you know, different throws that you can do just because you have different points of contact. And I also love the geese, so maybe just do it because I like it. <laughs> I, I always use this analogy when I talk about that, when, you, when I talk about like the importance of at least understanding how to get out of a gi, like, you know, I don't care how good your jujitsu is like, you know, if you allow a pretty athletic white belt or blue belt, big, strong kid to get an established solid grips on your pant leg and you don't address that, he's going to pass your guard and probably hold you in place for a hot second. If you don't train the gi, you don't understand like, and, and you know, no gi guys live in this assumption that, you know, they walk around in cargo shorts or you're in, uh, you know, fight shorts and rash guards or naked all the time you know there's no no clothes never comes into play if you're not at least under you don't at least have an understanding of someone grabbing on to your collar or grabbing onto your shirt or pulling it over your head holding it down in position like you're not going to be prepared for that when it happens in an actual altercation and you know maybe you get out but maybe there's that moment where you have to think about holy shit how do i deal with this i don't know what's going on why is he grabbing my shirt and before that you know, maybe he gets stabbed or freaking punched in the face by his friends or shot in the neck or like shot this guy, neck. like this guy. So, okay. Ke- Kevin, Kevin Sheehan. Um, hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to look at his name really quick. Kevin Sheehan. 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 You are now officially Irish a legend. Boy. Yeah, no, Kevin Sheehan, you fucking speedy recovery. By the way, the doctor said like six to four to six months and kevin responded like oh i, I want to be good in two yeah. so just he's, he's like see you next legend. week see you next week <laughs> this Gotta get back come out Tuesday. kev uh <laughs> you're you're a you're a legend man congratulations on maintaining your life in a basically bond like super villain like superhero movie shit situation and uh you're safe Speedy recovery from us to you. And uh, if you ever want to join the, the fistful of Kevin's crew over here, we could always use another one. <laughs> fistful of Kevin's. That would be it. We need to get, we need to get Kev. Get it, hit us up. You've got an open invitation to come on a show. Open invitation. Oh, for dude, yeah. you deserve it, man. Just, Do it help, just to hear that man. damn story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got one more story, uh, and it's it's a bummer story. It's a downshift and going from a really high like that like that story into a, a more of a bummer. We have a, another situation of a of a coach potentially abusing his position uh, in a gym to abuse one of his students, and possibly it's a it's a really serious situation. So for all the faint of heart, you can click away now. Uh, we don't want to cause anyone any trouble, but we got to talk about it. So uh, BJJ Black Belt, uh, famous of the, the Gracie Baja organization, uh, Rafael uh, Barata, like as he's nicknamed in the community. Oh, that's is that the guy who does the Barata Plata? Barata Plata, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was uh, accused and uh, charged with drugging and raping a student. Uh, apparently there was footage, uh, security footage from this student's home, and uh, it's it's not good. This had this all occurred last month. We're still learning more information. Uh, we had an exclusive comment from some of the executives at Gracie Baja that we'll get into in a minute. But um, yeah, this is uh, it's not good. It's not good that no, no. Uh, we're doing this right now. So you know, Barada, very well known guy, uh, Jackson Wink. MMA, one of the coaches there, he's, you know, he trains Holly Holm, he trains Michelle Watterson. He's theoretically had a hand in a lot of the athletes over there. Um, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, 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 it's like, and I hate, I don't want to make this analogy, I don't want to piss everybody off, but it's like school shootings. You know, you're getting to the point where it's just like, well, let's just send their hopes and prayers out. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll just move on our lives. It's just something that happens. And it's 
it's at a point now where it's it's just you know you can't even get i don't you know, you're almost becoming i'm almost becoming anesthetized to it because they happen so frequently the idea of sexual assault in one way or another within the jiu-jitsu community and i just can't tell you how horrible it is to me that what i love as much the thing that i love more than anything on the planet gets marred by this is as often as it does um i don't know i don't know what to say i don't know how to deal with it i don't know how to to make it go away but this particular case you know there's no denying it. I don't want to say there's no denying it, but who knows? We'll see what happens throughout the course of legal action. And obviously the, 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 the release of Gracie Barr was very written according to those accords and that we in the zero tolerance level on sexual abuse charges from their instructors, but pending an investigation, we'll wait to see what happens. And I get that we have to have, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but I mean, they got a video of the guy, the, 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 the officials and the officers and the detectives and the people that are actually looking at the case, there's pretty good, obvious evidence of him mixing something into a drink. She was unconscious, yeah, the, unresponsive on the, the ground. The video, according to uh, there was Albuquerque, the Albuquerque Journal broke the story, uh, and they they were talking with some of the detectives, and they said the video could like it's a little bit blurry, but he he go he seemingly goes to put something in her drink while she's in the bathroom. Right. And according to her, he had been uh, acting inappropriate for years with her, like very, very not okay stuff for a, a teacher to be doing with a student. Um, she's and a massage with, therapist. So he yeah, came no, over to the house for a massage session. Yeah. With, uh, with, with how big a deal this guy is, and you know, like he's got a move named after him, the Barada Plata, right. you know, it's a shoulder lock. It's a very high percentage move. There's this desire to, there's, I don't know. It's, it's very apologies, everybody, but this stuff never gets easier to talk about. We're only a few months removed from the former Cabrinha affiliate. Yeah. Cla Claudia, but I'm also yeah. talking about Cla the, the Sorry. Nicholas, uh, uh, Arujo, I think his name was. You sentenced to three years for yeah. raping a minor, and that, they, was, they, that it's, was it's it's ridiculous how often these pop up. It's insane to me how often they just oh okay wow another predator that that is has basically you know taken advantage of one of his students in an inappropriate manner in one shape or form or other. I mean, in this case. And this is more than just an inappropriate relationship that went sour. I mean, this is, it seems again, pending investigation, but from what we read from the actual reports in the newspaper, it seems quite hideous, hideous enough that the guys, uh, Jackson Winkle, you know, Jack's wink, um, Jackson wink. Yeah. They actually took his name. There used to be a connecting link. That was on. Yeah, they, they scrubbed they every scrubbed trace it. of him. He don't train here. Never, never heard of him. <laughs> right? You know, they don't want yeah. no part of him. Although, like, there's still plenty of connective tissue that ties right. him to Jackson. But, like, he's taking pictures of yeah. training athletes. But there. you know, that's you could you could call it questionable judgment, or whatever you want. But at the end of the day, like, that's that's not Jackson. That's not Jackson Winkle John's fault. You know, they maybe they should have vetted their guy a little bit better. But you know, people like that. Predators are very good at maintaining a uh, a level of credibility and hiding what they do there's a sociopathic mastery of that that they that most predators have to be able to continue to to, to live that life until they get caught sad saddens me it really does i can't there's nothing i don't even know what to say we could talk for hours about how horrible it is, how insidious it is, how bad it is for someone to take advantage of a student-teacher relationship, how you know the 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 victim you know put herself in a bad spot, which is horseshit. She's just doing her job. She's a damn massage therapist. Someone said, "Hey, you want to get a massage?" and the guy drugged her. All these other things. Who knows? Whatever. Well, okay. So just to clarify, she was a student of his. And he, she was like suffering from soreness due to like training jujitsu, okay, and right. he is a massage therapist. Like he is a he was there to give the massage. I don't know okay. if he's a massage right. therapist, but right. she didn't. She invited him under the under the assumption that he was just going to help her recover. Right. You know. And then he, 
Regardless, like, even if she showed up to her house, you know, hey, sure, let's bang this weekend, right? You yeah. don't drug somebody and have sex with them when they're unresponsive in your house and distorting yeah. the discussion. We don't. And no, I think no, it's no, just no way because we we want to make sure we're we're careful here. We haven't seen the footage. The footage right. is not public. We're operating under statements that were collected by the 100%. Albuquerque Journal 100%. and p- published according to them that they got from the police. 100%. You know, everything is speculative at this point, and we are operating under the assumption that. Okay. Uh, this is again. It's this is real rough ground. Just because we want to make sure everybody gets their day in court, but we want to we want to also make sure that it's known that this is a terrible nightmare scenario. It's it's just a you know? horrible blemish that I just don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. You know, I wrote that I wrote that article. I've talked about it when the Claudia Valen thing went down. I wrote a nice article for, uh, about. Um, um, how Dale Hila when 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 he had his thing and, and all the things my my opinions on how coaches shouldn't interact with their students in that regard and, and, and cut these things in the in the in the bud and how it it causes horrible horrible repercussions and touch trust issues and they just keep continue to happen. Something has to happen. Someone at the top has to step up and say we won't tolerate this anymore. Something needs to be done about this. You know we have guys and females and males and in positions of you know advanced testosterone where you're fighting one another and there's all these like sexual tensions and things like that none of that shit matters you can't have it happen can't be a part of jiu-jitsu you got to figure out a way to stop this or it's going to ruin the sport yeah sorry a hundred percent and you know this guy is a a big figure in gracie baja you know and one of the most uh, one of the most recognized competitors in the gracie baja system one of the most uh you know one of the the most high profile he was he was in the ufc he was on the ultimate fighter he's you know got a move named after him he's he's very lauded in not just gracie baja but jujitsu as a whole but you know he's a gracie baja athlete so for a lot of People, they were. Uh, we were. We've been waiting on a statement from Gracie Baja. Um, I got the chance to speak with uh, some of the executives up there, and they actually gave the Jiu-Jitsu Times a statement on the situation that I will read for our audio listeners. Uh, Gracie Baja, North America, has been made aware of this serious allegation. If proven true, this offense is a direct violation of Gracie Baja's sexual harassment and sexual conduct policies. This is not what GB represents. At this time, we will allow the authorities to finish their investigation before making further comment. Gracie Baja, North America. Yeah, I get that. So, I still, I, I think you have that same statement even more powerful when you leave out at this time. We will allow the authorities to finish their investigation before making further comment. I mean, that alludes towards the fact that, like, well, you know, we're still on his side. He's still a family, and I get that. I, I don't know. It's hard. I don't know, man. It's hard. That's I've the thing. So angered by this, and so frustrated by this, and it's difficult for me to not think to myself that, hey, you know what, Gracie Barr, that's great, but this is the third time this has happened on your watch. Dale, he was a Gracie Barr guy. You know, this is the second time this year some shit like this has gone down. Maybe we need to start being preemptive about these things. Instead of just saying, "Hey, you know what? I think we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we're 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 just gonna wait to see what happens." But until that time comes down, you know, we're probably gonna pay for his lawyers and help him out along the way. You know, that's bullshit. We again, we can't, we, we can't, can't speculate, speculate that. what's going on. You know what? I think I will. This, put, put my name on the line with it, it makes me okay. But I think this is a big. What we can say is that the fact that these things are still happening I know. means that there is a ton of confusion and and vagueness in the hiring policies like how like what kind of people are really being brought on to help run a martial arts gym because i'll be the first to say it sometimes you don't necessarily just want the best competitor training you want someone who's able to interact with people in a safe and healthy way i'll take that over knowing the the secrets of the leg lock system or, or the the best way to pass guard just because i'm not looking to look over my shoulder while i'm training you know, and I don't think any parent or anyone who's coming from a vulnerable situation is thinking about that. So gyms as a whole need to be better about the standards they're putting out. And what because if- jujitsu is not famous enough, we like the guys involved in it got to police it. You know, we got to be the ones saying stuff needs to change. You know, one of the one of the biggest things I took away, I remember from Robert Drysdale was um book open and closed guard not to reference it again but if you haven't read it read it, it's an amazing read it, yeah. um 
at the end of the at the end of the uh, the chapter about going to Japan, he talked about how in Japan there was still such a level of reverence toward their instructors and that level of honor and and and, and code of ethics that is followed through the Japanese culture and, and the following of Kano. You know, there's this dogmatic approach to that, which probably has hindered the growth and the experimental nature of judo and case and coaching judo in Japan because of that, you know, whereupon in, in Brazil it has allowed it to blossom because there's this intellectual free zone where guys can figure out their own things. Um, one of the things he spoke of when he talked about his trip to Japan was the idea that there is a break in a code of conduct, which was the most important element that Kano thought of when he created uh, judo. He didn't necessarily create judo for a fighting system. He created, he didn't, he didn't want his fighters to fight. He thought it was, he thought it was was bad. He didn't because it broke away from the ethical conduct. You know, you learn martial arts to build character because you have to fight on to get past to the next belt and along that that road to 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 growth. You develop such amazing character through that, which follows over into your self discipline. One of the things that Drysdale said about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, particular, is that he thinks that we have missed the boat slightly in that regard because of the breakaway from that dogmatic thing but i don't know it just makes me fucking sad i can't tell you as much as i love jiu-jitsu as much as i know jiu-jitsu is amazing to see shit like that go down people manipulate that and like the it just it makes me crazy it comes from somewhere i mean like you you and i i'm not going to name names but you and i both know people that have you know experienced stuff like this or stories like this that has just damaged their love of the sport you know just because it's it's a slog to really think about this thing that makes me feel safe could be turned into this murky bad thing. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll close that with uh, just saying that if you, if you're out there, if you're training in this sport and you're in a situation that you're not sure what to do, please uh, go tell someone, you know, and like go to the authorities, you know, it, you, you need to, you, you need, uh, you, the, this only happens if people are called out. Like this only ends if people are called out. So true. I know it's scary, but don't be afraid to to speak and say something. Yeah, man, go go and trade somewhere else. If you got a creepy, go train, so If you're in a bad, if you got situation, a creepy train, a creepy coach that's, that's it's making you feel uncomfortable. Like take it as a red, take it as a red flag. You know, go train somewhere else because the I it's I hate it when people. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to start. Yeah, no. So if you even get a bad feeling, if you feel like you. And if you feel like you got to be loyal to the, the place you're training at, you don't. Straight up, you do not. There's go enough jiu-jitsu academies you can find somebody else to go train at. Already. Go where you're comfortable. There's a ton of great places that are going to treat you better than Creepy McCreeper. Hit, hit me up on Facebook and I will tell me where you live and I'll find you a better place to go train at. I, I think that's a that's a great place to start, man. And that's a great author's, uh, offer. So, you know, and uh, link to Kevin's Instagram right next to his name. Uh, you can reach him there. And uh, if you screw up and accidentally message me, I will make sure the message gets to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a ton of great stories. One like really bad one, but it's important to take the good with the bad because we love this yeah. sport. Most of them, most of them pretty good. It was a good, it was a good week for jujitsu aside from one, uh, one horrible hiccup. Yeah. So yeah, I just thank you guys for, for joining us. This is somber, but like diverse episode, of the Jiu-Jitsu times podcast. Uh, once again, thanks to sponsors of the show. No judges needed. Use the promo code JJT checkout for 20% off all purchases. But uh, until next time, I have been your host, Ken Bradley joined as always by co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Kev, you got any final words? Nah, man. Just love you guys, man. Keep training. If you're in an Love area where, where we're structured on COVID, try to figure something out. If not, just hang tight. Well, the world will be back again. Everything, everything will work out. I promise you. This is the new Zen Coach Kevin. <laughs> new Zen Coach Kevin. All right. Well, until it is time to meet up with the new Zen Coach Kev, uh, <laughs> this has been another episode of the Jitsu Times Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time.